Hi, welcome back to Venture Out series on student entrepreneurship. My name is Dylan Fontaine, and today we're joined again by Ellie Minershagen of Acute Accents. If you haven't already, go listen to Ellie's first episode where she discussed her experience and the importance of student entrepreneurship. Ellie, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. So last episode, we had kind of talked about your experience and what student entrepreneur and why student entrepreneurship matters, excuse me. And we have student entrepreneurs listening right now who are probably asking, well, how do I start my own venture? And today we will discuss how you think that they can take their first steps and resources they can use to begin. So keeping that in mind, entrepreneurship, as we were just talking about, is quite a, a daunting endeavor. I mean, there, there are a lot of questions that we have to ask. And, and sometimes it's really difficult to just start. Whether we start with, um, I mean, we will start with, with ideation, but from having an idea to getting all the resources put in place to actually start, how would you recommend a, a student entrepreneur go about starting their own business? I think, um, probably the first step is just to map out your idea. And I think it, it's good to start just writing down like all the things that you would need to create that product um, or organize that service. Um, you know, I think it's important to just get that all laid out and then figure out like how much is this going to cost me? Where can I get these, you know, supplies or resources? And where am I gonna sell? I think that's a good question to ask because there are lots of um, places online. I think especially with COVID, online selling is great. Um, a lot of people like to shop online rather than in person. Um, but if you do have a product that needs to be sold in person, where do you wanna sell it? And that also kind of depends on like, what is your audience? Because if you're selling to like, I do sell on Etsy primarily, but I think, you know, I do have a pretty big age range of people. Um, and so some people aren't as familiar with that platform or like technology. And so I also will sell like custom orders um, just through Venmo or by cash check. Um, and then in person at local markets for people who don't really want to buy through my site. Um, so it's good to have that flexibility. But yeah, just figuring out your target audience and how you're going to sell to them and how you're also going to market to them. I think those are some good steps. And, and so one, once you have everything mapped out and, and you're ready to start, mm -hmm. what, what next steps would you encourage them taking? I think it's really good to, one, just get started, to just work on that product and just play around with the design. I mean, obviously it depends on what you're making. Sometimes it can be a little more complicated to create your product than others, but um, it's good to just get started working on it and just creating prototypes. And then I would suggest sharing that with like friends and family. You can do it for money or not, but it's good to get their feedback on it. And also I wouldn't do that all in the same room because people will like think like bounce their ideas off each other. So I think it's, it's good to contact a few different people individually and be like, how much would you pay for this? And, you know, do you have any suggestions or feedback about like what it looks like or 
how I could tweak it, um, that kind of thing. Um, because it's really good to get their advice first before you put something out. Um, my family and friends, I, I gave them a lot of free earrings and stuff um, just to test out like, do they like the designs? Anytime I make a design before I even cut the clay, I'll like call my sister over and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, because it's good to get an outside perspective when you're kind of like, you know, you got your, your blinders on. <laughs> so you're not really like thinking about that. I think it's also good to just look online if you have a product that is like sold in a lot of, uh, by a lot of different people. It's good to look at how they do things. Um, at least for clay, there are some people who will give like helpful tutorials. Um, and so that really, you know, inspired me to make certain designs. But I think also if there aren't tutorials available, it's good to just look at what the product looks like and see if you can notice details about how they crafted it to um, model yours kind of similarly. Um, and not to copy, but just to understand like, why does theirs look so much more professional than mine or those kinds of things. Um, so I think definitely like comparing your product to others, getting feedback from your friends and family is really good before you like launch your site or you know begin selling. Um, I also think if you're shipping products, it's good to ship yourself one to see if, you know, if it's a fragile product, what's going to happen? Like, is it going to get smushed? Uh, it took me a long time to understand what was the best shipping method. And so, um, like now I use, I think boxes are better than mailers, but you can use mailers too. Um, and like a lot of bubble wrap and stuff because my items are pretty fragile. And so I don't want like big packages to like, you know, flatten them. Um, and it's also good to see like the condition of the outside of the package, just because everyone likes to receive cute mail. And so um, that helped me like to think about, I, I also buy other people's earrings on Etsy. I did that first to understand how they package theirs, what the experience is of buying it. Um, and some people, you know, as soon as you buy um, or, or they ship it, you know, they'll send out a little note and say, thanks for your purchase. Like here's, you know, whatever a coupon, if you leave a review or something. Um, and so that helped me to figure out how to structure my thank you notes and how to, you know, create my packaging. Um, so I think if it's good to buy just a couple from competitors um, or, or just, you know, other sellers um, to understand the way that they um, do their business, especially people who are way more experienced with like 15,000 sales or something like that. I, I love to see how they do their work. Um, and yeah, and then of course, once you do launch or even before, I think it's really just, it's helpful to seek out um, a coach or a mentor or something. I think it's good to have feedback from someone who has created a business successfully and who has, you know, a lot of advice to share on like, don't like avoid these mistakes, you know? Um, and if you can't find someone like that, there are plenty of like podcasts and blogs and, um, you know, Instagram <laughs> accounts of people who have successfully done things and, or, or books, you know, you can learn from a lot of different people um, and their experiences, but it's great to have a coach to speak to in person um, so you can bounce ideas off of them as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good. And so what it sounds like is you, you have, what you've done is, is you took your, your business from ideation through business planning, and then you really started with a minimal viable product, an MVP. And so you took this MVP and you, you started doing customer research, whether it was 
uh, by providing samples and receiving feedback. Um, I have seen you before do surveys on yeah. what like what you would like to see and then at least like the next upcoming seasons. And then you've actually done um, like focus groups is <laughs> like many focus groups with your family yeah. is what it sounds like. And so I think that customer research is is very important. But what what I've heard before is is the importance of getting that MVP, the minimal viable product out there. Yes. And so I think for a lot of student entrepreneurs, what you had kind of mentioned was, was just start, right? It doesn't matter where, but just start. So um, I, I think Eric Rees is the author, and I, I think the book name is Lean Startup, but they talk about this BLM feedback loop, build, measure, learn. And, and whether we're talking about tech or, um, or consumer products or, or uh, jewelry, in your case, it's important to, to just start. So get an M MVP, uh, you know, 0.1 or 1.0 and just build it and then submit it, send it. Uh, give it to a mom or a dad or a focus group, or if you have a testing customer, let them use it. Let them use it and then let them give you feedback. And, and from that feedback, look at how they're using that product or, or look at what they enjoy about the piece of jewelry and, yeah. and learn from it. And what do you do? 1.01. Right? Yeah. So you go on to your next iteration. And I, I think that's something that we get hung up on often is we think, oh, I want to start this business. I have this idea for this technology or this piece of jewelry or this, this product, and it has to be perfect the first time. And, and that is absolutely wrong. I, I think it can be awful the first time, even if it needs to be, yeah. you know, because you're going you're gonna to learn from it. And, and so I think as students, we need to understand that it's okay to start somewhere where you don't want to, to end up, right? You may have a larger goal in mind or a different idea uh, for what your product or technology looks like, but first you just need to start. And that's the important thing. And so when, when thinking about starting, maybe not where you wanna end up and being okay with that, I do want to ask about maybe goals that you've had, initial goals, and, and how do we set goals? Should we be setting smaller goals to reach a larger goal? What is kind of your advice for setting goals within your business for student entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, I think there are lots of different ways to go about it. I think that if you create a large goal, like, you know, you want to raise $50,000 or something, you need to have small goals to get to that um, because you're not going to go zero to hundred like that. Um, but I do think sometimes it can be a little too short-sighted if you're not planning to, for the future and you're only looking towards like, how can I increase what, I, I don't know, sales by this much. Like, yeah, that's true. You could probably achieve that, but like, there's probably a little bit more that you can think about too. Um, and I think for me, Starting out, like I didn't even really intend to, it was an, sort of an accidental business. Um, I didn't expect for it to be as popular as it was. 
um, I think, like you said, that uh, minimum viable product, like that's so important to just put out there to understand what people like about it, what people dislike about it, and then just go from there. Because um, I think at first I was trying to create like really complicated designs and I could not do it. Like I just, I had not been doing earrings long enough to understand how to do that. And so I scaled it back a lot. And then I realized like, you don't have to do that. People actually like simplicity. Um, they like one color is totally okay. <laughs> like that's trendy. And I, um, I didn't expect to tap into a trend like that. So I guess at the beginning, I didn't have like crazy goals or anything. Um, but I think slowly I've started to have goals of like, okay, I wanna do this many markets this month, or I want to um, launch this many new products on my site, or I wanna sell this many. But sometimes like you just, you can't know how many you're going to sell or it'll, it'll sort of vary. So I think it's good to have goals that are um, sort of based on like your, your style or your brand. Like you want to feel really proud of like five new products you create. And um, sometimes, like, I don't know, sometimes I, I feel like numbers are difficult because you'll be like, dang it, I didn't make, you know, 500 sales or something like that. But like that number doesn't mean anything. If you still made 400, that's awesome. Um, so I think it's better to just be like, I want to be proud of what I'm putting out. I want to create packaging that's more secure, or I want to create a product that is like, has a more sophisticated look or something like that. I think those kind of like broad goals are good. And then within those, you can refine that to be like, well, to create more secure packaging, I need to buy boxes. I need to buy more um, bubble wrap or like, I want it to look cute. So I want to have stickers designed or, you know, those kind of, you can come up with action steps. Um, but I think it's good to have like general ideas, I guess, that you want to go towards. And I think um, lately I've been trying to have goals to get into more local shops. I'm in two now, which is really cool, but I, I still want to expand that. And so it's just kind of like an umbrella. Like I, I want to get, um, or I, I, I want to have more wholesale orders, but within that, I'm like looking at different designs I can do that are unique to each business. So, but it's not necessarily about the number of them that I have. It's just like different options. And um, yeah, I, I don't think it's, I don't think you need to get caught up in like the details of how many you sell, how much money you make, um, especially at an early stage. Like that can be kind of discouraging if you're not making very much money because especially if you're pricing it wrong like me, which apparently most people, <laughs> most people do like, it's okay if you're not making like bank at the beginning, um, especially because you have that upfront cost of all those supplies to get started with your business. So it, it, it's going to be a little bit before, um, you know, if you're like making a lot of money or anything. So um, yeah, does that answer? Yeah, that? yeah, that, that does. And, and so you had alluded to your challenge with pricing initially. Yeah. Uh, and last episode, you had mentioned five specific challenges being pricing, social media marketing, uh, slash search engine optimization, branding, effective advertising, and market saturation. And so we understand that uh, these are some challenges that you ran into. And a lot of these are actual, uh, they're common challenges for a lot of student entrepreneurs. What type of advice would you give other students who may encounter those same challenges and how they can overcome them? Yeah, um, so I think just to start with the first one, pricing, I think 
it's so important to just get, you know, make a Google Sheets spreadsheet and just map out literally everything you paid for and also how much time it takes you to make a product because sometimes it just is not worth it. If you're not, you know, making money, like it's not worth your time. Um, and so it's good to just like list out everything. And I, I honestly just didn't know until a couple of months ago how much I was spending on products, which is kind of bad of me. <laughs> I feel like that's important to know. Um, I also think, and I think from there, once you, once you map everything out, then you can decide how you should price your item um, with shipping costs, materials, time, all that stuff. And I also think it's good, before I, I listed out every single cost, I had another spreadsheet that was for like income, like in and outflow kind of statement. So I had, um, you know, different areas where it was like my money from markets. So that would be like Venmo Square, which is like a card reader um, site, um, cash, and then like Etsy sales, and then just random other wholesale um, sales. And I, that was really helpful for me to like start to uh, understand like how many earrings I was selling per month, how much I was making, and then how much I was spending. Um, and just kind of seeing, because I feel like also it's good to create a business bank account. <laughs> Otherwise you'll get really confused about how much money you're really bringing in, especially if like you're like me and you spend a lot of money on like Starbucks drinks <laughs> and things like that. Like I couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> which is really bad, unprofessional. So <laughs> it's good to have a separate account so you can really narrow down like, how much do I actually spend? How much am I pulling in? Is it enough to cover that? Because if it's not, then that's not good. <laughs> you need to change your uh, pricing. So I just think like information is key with that. So um, listing everything out and figuring out what is a sustainable price is, is the best way to come up with that. Um, it, but also it's really important to look at your competitors and see what they're charging because in some cases there will be people that are charging like way low and you just can't compete with that. And then other people, like I've seen clay earrings be sold up to like $60, which I think is a lot of money, but um, it, it really means that like the design is worth it to people um, because it takes, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a lot since they're handmade. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into that and supplies and things like that. Um, and so within that range, it's good to find like, what is your audience specifically willing to pay, but also just generally, what do people pay for that product? Um, and kind of build off of that. Um, for the next one, for social media marketing and search engine optimization, I think it's really helpful to just create accounts to get your name, first of all, make sure no one's taken your <laughs> your brand name. That would be really bad if you tried to create, you know, a Facebook account and someone already has that name and you're like, dang it, I already created everything else. So I would look that up and just be 100% sure no one's taken that. Um, and then I think it's also good to just sort of get started trying things out, but, um, and, and seeing like how through like Instagram insights and things like that, like how people are responding to your hashtags um, it'll give you a breakdown of how many people found you through hashtag, through home, through other, um, and then how many people saved your post, how many people shared it. That's also a good indicator for me of like, if they like the earring as well, if there's a lot of saves on it, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Or website clicks, that's good as well. Um, but I think it's really important to research um, 
just like what what types of platforms will actually give you that direct information of what hashtags to use. So I used E-Rank and I think there's another one, I forgot the name of it, it starts with an M, but um, that it was like a $10 a month subscription and you can type in as many keywords as you want and just test out how much, like how many users there are on it, um, yeah, how what the click to uh, buy ratio is, um, those kinds of things. And it's it's also important if there's a lot of users on that tag, maybe that's not a good one to do because then you'll get lost in the mix. Um, so you have to find a balance, not too small, but not too large. Um, but yeah, those kinds of sites were really helpful for me on Etsy, especially. Instagram is one thing because that's just views, but actually getting people to my Etsy shop, um, there's a lot of random customers that don't follow me on Instagram. Um, and so I think the uh, E-Rank was really helpful. Also Pinterest is good, just like linking your um, products like to the photos, same with TikTok, those kinds of things. But it's really just experimentation and figuring out what attracts customers. And over time, I've gotten a lot more traffic and Etsy also will reward you for putting out a lot of new products, like your listing when you renew it or when you list a new item, um, it'll put you kind of towards the top of the list. Mm -hmm. So it's important to like always be putting things out. Um, I also heard someone recommend to have like at least 100 products on your page. I'll be honest, I don't. <laughs> I have like 70 or 80. Um, and I'm even sizing that down because it's just not feasible for me to have so many all the time. Um, however, I, I do think it's good to have more than less because if someone clicks on it, it's it's more likely the more products you have, like they're gonna find something they like, even if they don't like that initial click. So um, it's just good to have a lot of different options. Um, obviously varies by product. So if you're creating something that's not like jewelry, it might be a little bit different, but it is important to take advantage of those websites that will give you that data. Um, but yeah, just playing around with that kind of thing is important. I also think like graphic design and photography, just minimal knowledge will, <laughs> will really improve the way that you photograph things. Um, I spoke with a student entrepreneur at Baylor actually, and she gave me a lot of good advice for how she photographs um, her, she does calligraphy. Um, her Instagram is Dawn and Grace, if you wanna check it out. But um, she, has a really cohesive brand. And I, I wanted to know how she did that. because she said she always uses the same kind of color palette and filter so that everything looks really uniform. And then she also said she tries to, to pick, you know, if she reposts a person or someone like with the item, um, she tries to like pick someone who's wearing like the right colors and that way it all matches on Instagram, which your feed is not everything, but it is important to look professional. Also like, a really clean, just like white background. I know I started taking pictures of my earrings. This is gonna sound so jank, but I bought, I went to like Hobby Lobby or Michael's and I bought like contact paper or like just like random pieces of scrap of paper. And I would just like put it on there and it would be like, it looked like wood, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> I just put it on there. Um, and that's how I took photos. And I still, I literally have, um, I thrifted this little white scarf. I just like fold it up so it creates texture. And then I have this one little, um wood circle <laughs> and I put my earrings on it every time and I just I use my iPhone I don't use camera um and I just use Visco to like <laughs> brighten it up <laughs> that's all there's not not a huge complex uh <laughs> uh process that goes into my uh photography or anything but yeah of course if you if you have a, a more detailed product I I did get a camera but I I feel like it's actually not super necessary to have good equipment if you have good lighting 
and just a clean background. I think white always looks good. I also think though specifically for me, like the texture pop looks nice, um, but it, you just have to kind of play around with it. It depends on what you're selling. Um, and the, like close-up shots for me are fine, but if you need it from afar, a camera but it might be nice for that. I do like my camera for taking pictures of people wearing my earrings because it makes the background look nicer. Um, yeah, but not super complicated. You don't have to have the best materials. Um, and then, you know, there's things like Photoshop um, or honestly, PicMonkey is <laughs> not bad if you want to do a little basic editing. Um, I also use Canva a lot if I want to create like a little infographic about like, hey, I'm having a Black Friday sale. They have great templates. Um, all those kind of websites are really free. And like, I don't know very much about graphic design, but it um, those, those websites make it super user-friendly and accessible. Um, yeah. Um, for branding, I think I kind of touched on that a little bit with like your pictures and your, your feed looking kind of cohesive, but I think it's good to identify what exactly, like what colors you have, um, your focus on what kind of like style your, your products are as well. It's good to like really be uniform. I think, I think color scheme is really everything. I know with Squarespace, I'm working on a website and they have like, you, if you have a logo, you can upload that picture and it'll take the colors off of it to create your entire website color scheme which is super helpful if you don't know how to do that like me. <laughs> so that's good. Um, but yeah, I think that it's really important to just use the same colors, try to incorporate similar styles for, you know, I make earrings that are really geometric looking. So I try to repeat similar shapes just in different ways. So it doesn't seem like something is like really different from all of my products. And it's good to have variety. Like I do have different um, styles like some are more detailed clay designs and some are like more textured like these are kind of like shells um but overall you know that they're still from me like they, it doesn't look so different that you'd be confused where i bought it from um and also with business cards i actually my best friend is an artist um abigailrajanov.com if you want to check it out <laughs> but she um oh, <laughs> you know always plugs sorry shameless plug but <laughs> she designed my business cards and my logo and I wanted them to feature my friends because I named my earrings based on friends so each um girl who I have a picture of for each of my um business cards is based on my friends so it'll be like I have the Abby as one of them and it's it's a girl wearing earrings or a little um design of that um so I think that also really upped my branding a lot because it just made it more uniform um, and also recognizable because now I have like a specific logo besides just like the little letters that I created before. Um, it's an actual like picture and design, um, which I think makes things a little more professional. I want to I want to ask you one question. So we had talked about branding from the perspective of like of a product, but yeah. for branding as well, that's actually I mean that's still we're getting into. Like the personality of your business and and how um, again we had talked last episode about more or less like why you do what you do in the community so uh, when thinking of a brand it's more than just the product and for example like bmw they've coined ultimate driving machine and that's kind of what people think of when they often think of, of bmw or or um, God, one of the greater 
examples of a strong brand is Harley Davidson. You, people go out and get the Harley Davidson logo tattooed on them forever, right? Yeah. That is there eternally, um, not not eternally, but but they've created this uh, identity around their brand. So can you maybe talk about how student entrepreneurs can begin that type of branding as well, start building that type of brand? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think for sure the product is important, um, but you are more important because if you're a jerk, no one's gonna buy your product. So I think it's, it's really important um, to just first like, show professionalism you don't want to put out not quality products but also like you don't want to present yourself in the same way like as i don't know just disgruntled <laughs> like it's good um especially when you're you're meeting people in person it's really important to like interact with them and be friendly and be social and, and get to know your customers and get to know your audience um, because they want a relationship with you and i think the same way that, that works in person. It's also so valuable online to establish the same kind of presence. Um, and so I think I mentioned before that um, it's really important to interact with your audience through stories and lives and IGTV, all those kinds of things, um, because they want to get to know you and they want to feel like it's a personal kind of relationship. Um, and I know Sarah from the calligraphy um, business, she had mentioned to me like she, on all of her Instagram stories, she'll always direct it towards one person. Not say like, thanks you guys, but say, thank you for supporting me because it is you know, personal, like you, it's one person on the other end reading it. Um, and so it's really important to establish that kind of uh, brand as well, that you're thankful for your customers and you give back to them. And you're also contributing to like a greater community um, mm -hmm. by, by getting involved. Um, and so I think that's so important though, to show, show people that there's like a person behind the product. I think that's what makes, especially small business and handmade business, that's what makes it so special and meaningful is that there is someone designing it. There's a story behind every single piece. Um, for, for me, like every piece is unique. Like I don't make them all exactly the same. You're never gonna get like a complete duplicate. And so I, um, I think that's what's really cool. And that is, but I advertise it that way as well. And I, I will mention that like everything is made by hand, by me. Um, and so it makes a more meaningful gift for someone um, or just for yourself. And um, so I think it's important to relay that information to your customers so that they know like, oh, I'm supporting the student, I'm supporting um, creativity, you know, I'm supporting a greater cause. And so take advantage of, you know, a website bio. That's really important to put out there, put your picture, um, what you're about, what you're working on, um, and just like the story behind your business because people really want to be able to connect with you. Um, that personal connection is everything. Um, and that's how you will retain customers as well because they could buy clay earrings from anyone, but specifically they know me, um, they trust my product and they um, you know, have, have gotten to see, I guess, like the creation story. Um, and so there's meaning behind that. Yeah, thank you for that. I just wanted to, to I think, draw some attention to that, that 
branding uh, or creating a persona around your your business is just as important. Um, I think we had left off at your advice for effective advertising. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I mentioned some of that um, before, you know, about um, just understanding basic graphic design and photography and things like that. Um, it's also just so important, though, to like know your audience really well and understand what is going to attract them. Because I remember starting out, I didn't really know exactly. I thought it was just going to be like my son's age. Um, and granted, there are a lot of college age people that are that makes up a huge portion of my uh, customer base. But I, I think that um, it's also important like for me to realize that there are like older women and also men who are buying gifts that um, are looking at my products as well. And so it's good to advertise it that way as like, um, that's one of my key points is like, yes, it is unique jewelry for you. It's made by hand, it's, it's, it has a special story about it, but also it's an inexpensive and, um, you know, cool, <laughs> I guess, gift to give to someone if you're looking for something really affordable and also beautiful. Um, so I, I do, have to like kind of it depends on um who's looking at it so i i know um that like instagram anal analytics and also um you know facebook like those are two first of all those two platforms are very different who looks at my stuff as well as etsy like it's important to like structure um each platform based on like who your audience is and how they're perceiving what you're um advertising so i think just getting to know who's looking at it will change the way that you word your products um, and the way that you sell things as like, it's a gift versus it's for you. Um, and yeah, and I, I also think just um, that affects everything also with like payment methods. It's, you know, at markets, I have to offer a lot of different methods because not everybody uses Venmo. <laughs> and so I do, I have a card reader too and I accept cash and all kinds of things. Um, so that's good to know as well. But it is also important to narrow down, like, you know, age is one thing, but specifically what type of product you're selling and who is buying that product and why, um, because that can also really help you narrow your audience on large selling platforms, especially online. There are a lot of online sellers. So you really need to um, figure out, like, who is specifically coming to me, not just clay earrings, but me. Like, why are they shopping with me? Um, that's really important to figure out. And yeah, lastly, with uh, market saturation, I think that also goes hand in hand. There are going to be a lot of sellers, um, especially um, with handmade things. Like Etsy is a giant marketplace. So I, I know I'm not the only seller. Um, and even in Waco too, I'm not the only seller of plate earrings. And so it's, it's important to differentiate your product and yourself and your mission. Um, there are some people that will be like, you know, I'm a mom selling these handmade goods or, um, you know, we're a family owned business or something like that. It's, it's really important to like really um, sell that, um, that brand that you've created for yourself and show why people should buy specifically from you and why your products are different and they're better or, um, you know, they're better quality. They look more um, chic or minimalist or, you know, they're eco-friendly just, what makes you different from the other competitors. Um, and so that can be with your brand as a person or just the brand of your products, but it is really important to be specific and intentional about 
how you market your um, products since there, there's a lot of sellers and a lot of, uh, there's a lot of content online. Um, I, I was talking about this with a friend that since TikTok is so new, um, it's so easy to go viral or to get famous um, because there's just not a lot of content yet. Whereas like a platform like YouTube, it's really challenging to get a lot of views or traction on your video because there have been you know, over 10 years of people producing content for that site. And so I think in the same way you have to think about online selling platforms or in-person selling platforms. Um, I think Waco, I feel like really blessed to be in this area because I think um, there just happen to be a lot of entrepreneurs and there's a lot of like support local energy, I guess. Um, I feel like that's, that's a really good, um, it, it's been a good culture to be a part of because I think had I been somewhere like Dallas or Austin or something, that it's kind of more difficult to make a way um, for a handmade product that's like kind of smaller scale, you know, and I think being in Waco has allowed me to develop my um, my brand a lot more just because there are so many entrepreneurs and there's that um, desire for more like local culture and local, um, lo like locally sourced products. Um, so that's really important too, just thinking about location wise, like where, where you're selling as well. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's all really, really good advice, Ellie. Thank you. And thank you for covering really the five major topics that we had discussed in the first episode as to what were some of you know, the, the major roadblocks that you had encountered. I know that those are, as I said, some that a lot of other student entrepreneurs will encounter as well. Um, so we, I, I really just want to say again, Ellie, thank you so much for sharing your advice with us. We've just about run out of time. Uh, we hope you now have a better idea of how you may be able to start your own venture we will have one more episode in our three-part series on student entrepreneurship. And if you missed the first, you can check out the Venture Out podcast on all of the major listening platforms. And to stay up to date with Venture Out, find us on Instagram at Venture Out Podcast. Also, we are still looking for sponsors for our next series. And if you would like to be a sponsor for Venture Out, reach out to us through our social media. Sponsors help us stay online and provide us the opportunity to connect you all to our unique speakers. Again, Ellie, thank you for sharing, and we will see you next episode.